0: and take your business to new heights. Secure your spot today and be part of the AEC industry's future. Visit Zweigroup.com for more information. The Group team looks forward to welcoming you.
1: Welcome to the Zweigletter Podcasts putting architectural, engineering, planning, and environmental consulting guru, Mark Zweig, and his team of experts, Straight Talk, in your ear. Mark has more than 30 years of experience helping AEP and environmental firms thrive. And these podcasts deliver his invaluable management, industry, client, and HR advice directly to you, free of charge. The Zweig Letter and the Zweig Letter Podcasts let you develop professionally wherever you are.
0: Hey folks, this is Randy Wilburn here with the Zweig Letter podcast. I am so excited to be here today. I've got uh, a new crop of uh, podcast episodes coming your way over the next couple of weeks and months and uh, basically I have Hoodwinked and corralled uh, a lot of my colleagues here at Zui Group to take part uh, in this podcast uh, because it's it's so important for you guys to hear from everybody within the organization uh, in terms of what we're doing um, in the industry, um, both for ourselves as well as for our clients. And so, uh, you know, I think it's very it's very um, appropriate for us to to give you as much information as possible. I know when I listen to Podcasts. I like to listen to a variety of people and a variety of ideas to help formulate what I want to do and, and you know work on some of my skill sets and, and to improve myself in, in multiple ways. And, and obviously, our goal here at Zui Group, um, you know, with, with our our mission, is that we exist to make you more successful. Period. In the story, uh, I believe these podcasts can help you do that, among many other things. We've got videos. Um, we have a lot of material coming out 2017 is going to be an amazing year and i am you know really honored to be kicking it off this year with uh, a new member of this y group team that joined us back in may and um philip Kyle is uh part of the m a group uh, he works with Jamie Clare and noah hunt and and just an outstanding group of people and 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 philip it's it's so so glad, so glad to have you here on the podcast. First time out, and um, you're a good-looking guy, man. I wish, I wish we could be doing a video, but that's okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll get you on video in a, in a future time. But, but, um, but, but you know, I think the podcast is a great start. So, thanks so much for for agreeing to do this. I had to twist your arm a little bit, but no, I'm just kidding. But, but I, I'm just glad to have you here today.
2: Yeah, thanks, Randy. I'm really. Really glad that I've got this opportunity to sit here and, and communicate in a different format with uh, a lot of our clients and listeners here.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I, I certainly, you know, tell us uh, a little bit, just a, a little bit about your background. I know I know some about uh, something about your background, but why don't you tell the listening audience a little bit about your background and, and actually why why you came to ZY Group?
2: yeah and since this is kind of one of the first opportunities to really kind of delve into that for a lot of folks that haven't been introduced to me, I've written a few articles for the Zweig letter, but I uh, haven't really gone in depth in what my background is and what brought me here um so to start as as Randy said, I am a consultant for the m a services as well as the strategic planning group here at Zweig. and uh and you know straight out of high school joined the Air Force, so I was in the military for about five years. Uh, great opportunity to travel the world. and later on in my military career, I got to train you know about two hundred and twenty seven aircraft armament system technicians and the in the armament standardization uh, wing there. At, uh, in North Carolina. So I wrote standards and policies for weapon standardization to ensure crew safety and identified trends there to, that might negatively impact flight operations. Okay, And so from there, I moved, uh, went back to school, got a degree in chemical engineering and a degree in physics, worked for various large-scale manufacturing companies, um, helped co-design a never-attempted-before rechargeable thermal battery that had applications in the oil industry, and worked as an improvement engineer, which is Dow Chemical's term for project manager, in one of their polyethylene or plastics plants. And they're actually going through a really interesting merger with DuPont mm-hmm. at the uh, at the moment. And so that's, I'm watching that pretty closely. It's, it's very interesting to have two such large-scale companies trying to integrate cultures. And they're going to end up splitting into three separate entities wow. by the time it's all said and done. So really interesting to watch. I encourage anyone to go out there if you're interested in M&A and kind of how that world works really interesting example uh, going on there. Yeah. So finally uh, returned to to school to get my MBA and focused on entrepreneurship, innovation, and strategy were kind of the three reasons I wanted to get uh, back to school was to get a a more solid background in that. So during my time there, I worked for a large coffee producer uh, supplying Walmart, which is right in our backyard. Um, So it's a big part of our life here day to day in Northwest Arkansas, but worked for their supply chain and uh, sales strategies team and trying to to formulate plans to help grow their business with Walmart okay and so why is uh, I love to learn is one of the things um, I love to do and I, I always ask people what their why is why do you get up in the morning right uh, for me the architecture and engineering industry provides so much value to society it's such an important part of you know what makes society function and I want to help people grow their firms and operate in such a way that generates wealth for the entire country and the entire world. And one of the best ways that you, I thought that I could do that is really getting into a consulting role um, to be able to have the greatest impact. I believe you got to, you have to learn and then do and then teach in order to really understand something. And so this is, this position offers me that opportunity. And so Zwei Group is fantastic to keep a pulse on the entire industry while Trying to help firms grow, well, man, I mean, that's a mouthful right
0: there. I don't, you've given <laughs> me so much to, to work on, and I don't want, I don't know where to start. I, I certainly do want to hear about the uh, the 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 battery situation because that sounds really it, it, interesting. And I remember you mentioning in, during one of our get togethers that you were a chemical engineer, and I thought that was mm-hmm. really interesting to see you, you know, you, that side of you, and so. Um, that's that's pretty exciting. Well, tell me a little bit of, about and 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 of course this whole thing with Dow and 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 um, these these MN, these um mergers and acquisitions that are taking place in multiple industries now where bigger companies are are now morphing into, you know, smaller but more nimble organizations. Tell me where you see the intersection of uh, M&A and 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 um, strategic planning uh, in this industry for buyers, specifically yeah. in the design industry. For,
2: for the design industry specifically, as a buyer, your your goal as a firm owner or principal is always to grow the value of your firm. You develop uh, your talent and you make an impact on your community mm-hmm. in whatever way or function that is, whether you're an architect or an engineer. And so M&A Strategy for Buyers opens up an increased growth curve trajectory for buyers, really. You see inorganic growth immediately. It diversifies your risks. You can expand your market presence, your services, your competencies. It's going to increase your firm value much and above any kind of organic growth strategy. Uh, we've seen that time and time again as we're working with folks that um, their projections before and after an M&A strategy, the M&A strategy is just a, a multiplier for them. It's it's a great uh, add to their strategic plan, and finally, you can also uh, potentially eliminate competition, and so that kind of fits in with buyers. There's a lot of you know intersection there as far as sellers go as well, but but for buyers, that's kind of where I see you know the intersection of M and A and strategy uh, okay. for them. Okay, so
0: um, what I mean your your process why don't, why don't you tell me just a little bit about the the a process here at Zwig I mean obviously I'm I'm familiar with it but why don't you let the audience know you know just a little bit of the the ins and outs of how you go about doing what you do and I know there's a lot of similarities from uh, with with regard to M and A and recruiting, uh, which is is my is my area of expertise, and so I know there's a lot of research involved, a lot of sourcing involved, a lot of phone calls. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you, you guys spend your time on the phone all day long, just like we do in, in the recruiting group. And so, um, give me just a quick snapshot uh, of what a day is like for Phil and 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 for what you're doing um, from an M and A perspective.
2: Sure thing. So when we Go about um, taking on a new client, whether it's a buyer or seller. What we really want to understand is your culture and what you're looking for in a transaction. What are your motivations for selling? What are your motivations for buying? And uh, really get an idea of who would be the perfect fit for you strategically. So from a buying perspective, who is that firm? Are you trying to get to Denver? Are you trying to get to a new market that you've never been before? And what firm fits in with your culture in order to allow an easy integration process and really expand your value proposition out there in the new market that you're going after. So we spend a day, uh, we fly out and, and meet in person. We find this is the best way to get a, get a pulse on what your organization is like in the fastest time period. Right. And so we spend an entire day just talking through the process that we, we plan to do, but we learn a lot. We listen a lot uh, to what's going on in your organization and what you want to do and what your goals are.
0: So you mean just just looking at somebody's website is not enough? You've really got to go out and see the firm and touch them and, and kind of figure out what they're all about.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and I think uh, you know a lot of the listeners here will know that many times your your website isn't updated. Yeah, that's <laughs> and an understatement. So, so I mean I've run into situations where it's <laughs> been you know 2005 since they've touched their website. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of things have changed in you know the the seventeen or the twelve years since two thousand and five right um and, and it may not reflect exactly what you're doing. It may not reflect all the changes you've made in the meantime uh, so it's just it's definitely not enough to get a good idea and i'd I'd encourage people on the other side um so if we you know we bring a lot of potential buyers and sellers to to our clients. And sometimes they reject them straight off off of their website, and they don't haven't really had a chance to have a conversation. I'd encourage folks, you know, a short conversation with the firm is is much more valuable uh, to getting to a go/no go no-go type decision on the yeah. firm than just taking a look at a website and saying, ah, it doesn't." I don't think it fits with what I'm thinking.
0: Man, you are preaching to me because simply, um, you know, I'm always telling clients from a recruiting perspective um, is that you know when. You can't judge a resume by its cover, mm-hmm. and just like you can't judge a company by its website. Yeah, I know some companies are just really behind the eight ball when it comes to technology and when it comes to branding themselves properly, um, which is why it, it is so important that as consultants we get out and physically meet uh, the clients that we're working with so we understand. I, I liken it to the idea that if I was a car salesman, um, I could never sell a car that I don't test drive. Right. You know, and that's that's the idea. And so clients always, you know, I know clients are trying to save money here or there. And it's like, well, you know, can't we do a video conference? Can that work? And it's like, yeah, you just don't understand if you if you're you know, if you're in a position where you ultimately want to sell your firm some and you want to hire someone like Zweig or anybody for that matter, they've got to be able to, to to adequately sell your firm. And they can't do that without understanding your firm. And I, and I always think that I, that it that the eye test that the actual physical interaction with meeting your people, meeting your key leadership, and and kind of figuring out what what you guys are all about is tantamount to success uh, that you're gonna that you're gonna a desire to see happen um, from an M and A perspective. And so without that, you know, you're kind of you know you're you're at a disadvantage. I think.
2: Right. Well, I mean, we're all busy. Right. But I mean, the, I want your success just as much as you do. Yeah. It reflects. Better on us as well as your firm, um, you know, you want your people to be taken care of going up and and thinking long term strategy. You know, if you're if you're a seller, you're trying to access opportunities uh, for your second tier leadership, your staff to grow and develop and, you know, access to increased resources. And so. Any any kind of successful transaction there uh, really requires the consultant that you bring on board to really understand what your goals are and what your culture is and how you operate on a day to day basis. Yeah. And the fastest way to do that is really eye to eye physical in person meetings. You know, I'm a millennial and I love technology. I'm <laughs> huge huge uh, proponent of technology, but you know sometimes that just can't replace. Uh, a face-to-face, all right. those nonverbal clues and subtle things that you can pick up exactly. from an in- in-person meeting.
0: Yeah, like all the winking and nodding and everything that happens. <laughs> so, so so, talk a little bit about, and I know this is something that we see where, where you've got these owners that um, maybe hold on to their company for too long, and by the time they want to transition out, they're just not in a good position to do that, whether because of the uh, loss of great talent or just the desire of the individual to kind of carry on? How do, how do you deal with that, with people that come to you and they're, you know, close to 65 or 70 in, in years of age? And we have a lot of people like that, a lot of owners uh, in the design industry space across this country that are in these positions. And they're actually very unenviable because they never thought about um, what the future would be like. They never planned mm-hmm. properly to position themselves for acquisition at some point in time, because if you don't have a succession plan uh, with your own internal organization, you've got to make yourself attractive to somebody else that may want to buy or else, you know, as a, as a, especially if you're a single owner, how do you cash out? And, you know,
2: yeah, I. There's always those firms looking for deals. Right, they're looking for that fixer upper. Yeah, but that's not the situation you want to put yourself in as the owner of the selling firm. And we, I mean, I've got a couple clients at the current moment that I think are you know upper seventies uh, that are, have at least one principal or one owner that's that's um, you know really up there. at Uh, getting close to retirement and should have retired probably 10 years ago. But an interesting situation came about with the recession of 2008 where a lot of firm owners put off uh, any kind of retirement or Mm -hmm. succession planning. And like you said previously, a lot of them just never thought of it in the first place. So it creates a situation where the second tier leadership, a lot of that left the industry or moved on to another firm that could provide them other, other resources. So, so there's we come to this interesting situation where there's no not really anybody to take over on that second tier level and then you're in a position where you need to to sell your firm. And so really putting in place all of those good business practices to begin with having clean audited financials and and contracts in place with all of your employees uh, as well as suppliers and any kind of subcontractors that you use, um, that kind of stuff positions you in a way that makes you attractive and valuable to a potential buyer. Right.
0: Okay. Well, you know, and so tell me this, and and I know this happens a lot because uh, you know, as as recruiters, we call people out of the blue all the time. Mm-hmm. But but if I'm a firm owner, a design in the design industry, whether it's an architectural engineering firm, take your pick, it doesn't really matter. Um, what. And I get a call from a firm that that's interested in acquiring my company. Um, you know, how, how do I prepare for that? How do I react to that? Should I just be like, you know, I'm not I'm not for sale, even if in back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, maybe I could sell if the price was right, because everybody everybody has a price. Right. right. But I mean, how, how do you how does a firm prepare for that call? Because you guys are on the opposite end of that phone call where you you reach out to firms a lot of times and say, mm-hmm. look. I have an opportunity that you may want to consider. Um, but I mean, you know, these this happens all the time. I mean, again, I, I I get it from people. and It's just that I call to recruit and I'm literally calling them out of the blue. And these are people that aren't actively looking. They're kind of perfectly happy where they are. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you may potentially present them with such a great opportunity that it's almost impossible to pass up. But how how do, how do, how does a firm prepare themselves for the, That.
2: Sure. Yeah. I I hear it all the time and, you know, people will jokingly say that, you know, well, the price, if the price is right, it's, you know, I'm open to anything, but I'm not really looking. Right. Well, yeah, that's, we're not, we're not looking a lot of times when the opportunity strikes upon us. And, and if you're doing things the right way, there are going to be people looking for your business. Right. And um, so if you get a call out of the blue, you should really entertain it. I mean, a 15 minute phone call is all we're asking the first time around and an outright rejection, you know, you may be passing up an opportunity that is a perfect fit for your firm. Maybe there's something you've been trying to do for years and years and years, and this will allow you to reach that potential. And, you know, you just reject the phone call offhand when 15 minutes, you may have found something that really fits with your strategic goal. So whether it's an internal or external transition, we're talking specifically external at this point. Um, you can really reduce maybe the pressure and leverage of your owners or increase the opportunities for your staff to grow and develop. And the good news is, like I said before, all the things that you do to get prepared to sell your firm are good business practices anyway. Right. So in preparation for that, for a call, I mean, you want clean, up-to-date, and preferably audited financial statements going back at least three years, but three to five is right. kind of a generally accepted um Practice there, and you'll want contracts in place with customers, employees, and suppliers. Like I said before, and understand what your possible motivations for selling might be. Um, you'll want to prepare a strategic plan including expected future revenue. So the higher the black log, the better is kind of the name of the game here. You want to show a potential buyer that you have up and coming opportunities. You don't just have, you know, this is something that we hear a lot is you know I've got repeat clientele. Every all of my Uh, all of my contracts are repeat clients. And so that's what kind of what our competitive advantage is. Okay. What people don't focus on enough, (laughs) it seems in this industry is kind of marketing and going out and getting new business. And so what happens, and I've seen this uh, a few different times is, you know, your, your revenues start dropping off after five, 10, 15 years, Mm -hmm. because you're not going out and getting new work. You're just relying on repeat, repeat clients. And part of Part of that growth and driving value for your firm is to continually go out there and seek new opportunities. And so when someone comes to you, 15-minute phone conversation for potential new opportunity is, is definitely worth entertaining. Okay. So you want to look at SWOT analysis, um, you know, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats to your business to kind of have a good idea of where you fit. And something we talked about earlier was succession plans for employees and management. Um, just kind of get an idea of where you guys want to be in the future. Um, understand what your valuation could possibly be. There's a lot of different methods available to do this. Um, we suggest looking at net service revenue here at Zwide Group. Um, you know, that's gross revenue minus subconsultants and reimbursables. Mm-hmm. Um, your value usually will fall into the 60 to 90% of that number range. Um, but each transaction is different. There's a lot of different uh, factors to to look at there uh, when you're going into that. So, Really, kind of to sum everything up, you want to prepare any documentation that shows that you've got a good reputation, you've got repeat clientele and a good relationship with those clients, and something that shows a continuing value going forward. So think of it from a buyer's perspective. What would you want to see to make a good first impression if you were to go out and buy a firm? Right. This allows you to position your business for the highest value and to be the most successful transaction. Okay. Uh, eventually.
0: Well, you mentioned a lot of things. One thing that does come to mind because I'm, I'm acutely aware of this is that um, the importance of buy-sell agreements mm-hmm. with ownership. So say I'm a partnership with, or, or say it's, you know, me and three other guys that we, we all own an architectural firm. Um, t- talk about the challenges if you don't have a, a strong buy-sell agreement in place. Uh, if we're all equal shareholders and maybe a couple of us want to cash out, but the others don't and there seems to be, you know, an acrimonious debate about that. I mean, what, you know, what what problems come up in that type of situation that a good buy sell agreement can solve? Because that's part of what I think you're talking about here.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We we run into situations where there's one owner that wants to hold out, and you don't have a good buy sell <laughs> agreement in in place, and so it makes it a very difficult proposition. And so, what kind of the ramifications of that um, when you're looking to sell? Is you're running around trying to get these contracts in place. You're trying to get the buy sell agreement figure it, You're having this infighting, and so you're not presenting yourself as a unified, um, positive front to potential buyer. Right. Um, so it, you know, it sends up red flags. It sends up red flags for them. They might get scared off. Um, you might decrease the value eventually of your firm because your clients start noticing other people in your firm, you know, you want to be open and as authentic as possible with your employees as a principal or an owner. But with M&A, it's a little delicate and you don't want people to know about it until it's the right time, until you've had something more substantive come across your desk and say, yes, we're, you know, we're moving forward with this firm and we can show a strategy. And this is why we're going with this firm and we can really get the employees on board. And that's, that's a big part of the success for an M&A transaction. Is, as far as the integration standpoint goes, is to get leadership on both sides, the buyer and the seller of the, of the firm, to um, really communicate enthusiastically about new potentials. Okay. Well, you know, and, I, and, I, and
0: I'm just thinking, and I, and I know you guys field a lot of calls from people that, that, um, that uh, reach out to Zweig to find out more about M&A work and what can, you know, what, what could, what can we do for them Um, what, what do you recommend in terms of, um, uh, is, is there some type of readiness program that, that, uh, that you guys are able to do for a firm to just kind of take a look at what their situation is and give advice or when most of the times when you're fielding calls from interested people that are thinking about, um, wanting to put themselves out there either for acquisition or, or for sale, um, how much time does it take for you to kind of, kind of assess what they're, what they're all about?
2: Uh, Zwei Group to assess or yeah, for ZY okay. Group? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't take long uh, normally for us. We've got a pretty good process in place. Um, the big problem that we run into and what usually holds up the time is, um, you know, this isn't something that a firm has thought about for a long period of time and they just don't have the infrastructure in place to, to handle the transaction. So it's a lot of um, trying to get uh, firms that are looking to sell up to date with their financials, mm-hmm. understanding their financials, and and what that means as an implication for selling their firm. Um, so, kind of the process we we do at Principles Academy, we do several uh, seminars as this wide group that can kind of give you an understanding of of basic accounting principles and and kind of what can you do to position your firm for the most value? And so we collect um, financial information. We collect um, any kind of buy-sell agreements mm-hmm. and um, do interviews with the principals to figure out, you know, what is their value and we can understand who they are as a, as a firm.
0: Okay. All right. Well, I think that's that certainly is great advice and very helpful. And, in you know, as we as we close out here, um, are, are you bullish on uh, M&A's in the design industry in 2017? What is your initial thoughts about that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think 2017, we're going to see a huge increase in activity uh, for M&A as the smaller firms continue to consolidate mm-hmm. and move into uh, larger organizations. Um, it's just it we've seen explosive growth and there's a lot of um, you know we don't want to get too political but the newly elected president has huge plans for infrastructure spending and as that happens I think the the environment uh, will be primed and ready for a lot of these m a transactions to take place
0: yeah well that's yeah that's absolutely true um, so tell us just a little bit uh, we want we want to learn a little bit more about Phil, you you have you have shared your vast knowledge in the M&A space, but I, I you know we do this thing, um, and normally, obviously, when I do a lot of these interviews, I'm interviewing you know heads of companies and things of that nature for this wide letter interview series. Um, when we do internally, I I haven't really done this, so this will be the first time. But I'd like to know, okay, because inquiring minds want to know, um, you know. to to learn a little bit more about, about the, the consultant Phil. And, um, why don't you, um, why don't you tell me what was the last book that you read?
2: The last book that I read, um, you know, I'm in the middle of several different books, uh, currently. Um, but I just reread, it starts with why by Simon Sinek, which is one of my all time favorites. Um, and he's got an interesting, so what kind of spurred that along is he's got an interesting, um, you know, if you look out on Facebook, I don't know who did the original interview, but he's uh, talking about millennials and, and mm-hmm. what the the problem is with millennials. It's about a 15 minute conversation that I would encourage you to go out. and. You're talking and about that at. video,
0: right? Right. The video is amazing. I yeah. Mean, he really breaks it down. He breaks so. it down
2: and really identifies what a lot of the problems that you see with the millennial right. generation, which right. has been talked about ad nauseum, and yeah. I almost get, you know, as a millennial myself, I almost get <laughs> frustrated with a lot of what I see. Yeah, uh, yeah. but he, I think yeah. he does a good job there. So, so I saw that and, and decided to take one more reread through. It starts with why. Um, it's a good book. It's a it's a it's a really good book. Yeah. Um, I'm also reading a lot of on uh, neuroplasticity and neuroscience, um, several books by Norman Doidge. Okay. Uh, um, so that's a that's really interesting, especially if you approach it from a leadership standpoint and understanding motivations and and uh, you know how your brain changes and adapts itself. Right, um, can really give you some pretty good insight. Um, okay. You know, there's. So many books I could recommend. Yeah, there, no, no right?
0: that's cool. I was just just curious to get your the last book you read. And speaking of all the whole Simon Sinek and millennial thing, um, since you mentioned it, do do you think that? Um, and and I want to thank you f- first for your service to this country um, by serving in the military. Do you think your time in the military helped you overcome some of the obstacles that some of your peer millennials may not have been able to overcome?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I think. I mean, it was really an opportunity to refocus myself. I had, I mean, I, I loosely had a plan coming out of high school. Right. Don't we all? I got it into a couple colleges and it was, I just, my priorities weren't in the right place. Mm-hmm. And it was, I was able to take that time to reflect, refocus, and gain some really good experience at the same time um, in learning how, you know, logistics, the structure of an organization, and, mm-hmm. and really how to operate in some, a a large team environment. And so I think that definitely gave me a leg up on a lot of uh, millennials. It may have put off my, my education a little longer, but you know, in the end, I think I'm much more well-rounded. I'm a much better individual and leader because of it.
0: Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Again, thank you so much just for your service to this country. Um, Where did you go on your
2: last vacation? Last vacation? Well, for the holidays, I went down to Houston, so not too exciting. Did you go out of the country, though, recently? I did. Okay, I did. So the right. last big trip uh, was to India. Okay. All right. Uh, my fiance is is from India. Great. And uh, so we went over there for a wedding and spent about two weeks over there. And I uh, got to travel all over the place. Went to Hyderabad, which is a really interesting city. I know there's a lot of firms out there that have a presence in Hyderabad because okay. it's a huge tech uh, center right, there in India. Right. right. Um, went to Delhi, which is the... The, uh, the capital there and mm-hmm. got to see the Taj Mahal and um, you know, it was, it's just a really great experience and really interesting to see, you know, I, I understood poverty, but the level of poverty that you see is just abject poverty over there that, you know, But at the same time, you've got these entrepreneurs and these and these guys that are going out and and coming out with these amazing, amazing things. And it's really interesting to watch and take that perspective, uh, you know, going forward. Well, that's interesting.
0: Congratulations. Well, that's. For any of the ladies listening on the podcast, that's too bad. Uh, Phil's no longer <laughs> going to be available. I believe your wedding's coming up in a few months. So it is May twenty eighth. Yeah, congratulations to that. Welcome. Uh, I'll be walking welcoming you to the club very soon. So oh, thank we'll you. have a special special seat laid out for you. Um, if you could binge watch one TV series, old or new, what would it be?
2: So the the one that I just recently. Uh, binge watches Travelers is oh, what it's yeah. called, okay. Uh, and I believe it was on Netflix. Okay. Um, interesting premise to the show, where uh, t- it's time travel type of thing, and yeah. me being having a physics background and right. all kind, all things nerdy uh, yeah. as far as that standpoint goes. It was an interesting take on time travel, where uh, you know these these guys from the future took over the consciousness of someone that they have on historical record seconds before they die yeah or they're supposed to die yeah and so it goes through this this entire uh you know events leading up to that so i just thought that was an interesting uh an interesting show from the perspective of time travel the physics behind time travel and how uh consciousness may be affected
0: interesting yeah i i there's another time travel show on nbc called timeless which i've been watching recently and I'm a period guy. I was a history major in college. So uh, anything to do with history, I really get excited about. So Mm -hmm. that's the one show that I'm able to actually watch um, during the week. And so that's, we've kind of, my wife and I have caught up now. So we're waiting for the next new episode, so we'll see what happens. Oh, yeah, so, well, that's awesome. Well, listen, you know, Phil, I want to thank you so much um, for for coming on the show and and um, sharing just a little bit about your experience here, and and uh, we're so glad and honored to have you on our team and. Um, folks, if you need anything on the M&A side um, uh, or strategic planning side, and you just want to just talk to a friendly voice on the other side of the phone that can give you some ideas and some some guidance and just some things to think about, um, Phil is definitely your man. And uh, you can reach him here at Zwig Group. And, and certainly all of our information is available online at Uh, I want to thank everybody. And just as a reminder to all Zweig group media programs like this one are available both on podcast and in some instances also in video format, free for download on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, just to name a few places. You can find us in on most uh, of these online portals. Uh, we'd like to thank you uh, for watching or, or rather for listening to the podcast by offering you a free copy of the Zweig letter. Just visit free. Tzl. That's f r e e t z l dot dot com a link to all of this information will be in our show notes. And uh, we would love it if you would share this link with a friend, tell somebody about the Zweig Group podcast. We have got, uh, Zweig Group Media has a ton of great new things coming out in 2017. And, um, you know, like this interview that I just did with Phil, we've got a lot of good stuff happening. So we'd certainly love for you to avail yourselves of that information and material. Listen, folks, I'm Randy Wilburn, and you've been listening to Zweig Group Media part of Zwag Group. Remember, we exist to make you more successful. Bye for now.
1: Thanks for tuning in to this Zweig Letter podcast. We hope that you can apply the Zwag Team's no-holds-barred advice to your daily professional life. For a free six week subscription to the Zwig letter, please visit freetzl.zwiggroup.com to gain more wisdom and inspiration, in addition to information about leadership, finance, HR, and marketing your firm. Subscribe today.